So to me, to us, I think real time is synonymous to now. What's happening right now? Not the old stuff. And for every business, what's happening right now could be this minute. Or for a lot of the people, it's like this second. <laughs> Hi, folks. Welcome into HashMap on Tap. Thanks for listening to the show today. I'm Kelly Coleffel, and I'm really pleased to be joined today by Venkat Venkat Ramani. Venkat is co-founder and CEO at Rockset. They are a real-time analytics database company that serves low-latency, high-concurrency analytical queries at cloud scale. Prior to starting Rockset, Venkat spent eight years with Facebook, where he led engineering teams that built Facebook's online data systems. Vincat, hi, welcome into the show. What are you drinking today? Uh, thanks, Kelly, for, for hosting me, having me here. And uh, the drink I'll be having today, which I have every morning, is uh, Madras Filter Coffee. Okay, take me through Madras Filter Coffee. I have not had this. I'd like to know all about it. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a South Indian, almost like a cultural icon, I would say. You can show up to my house, uh, you know, where I grew up, like any time of the day. And if if my, you know, my parents don't offer you, like they would immediately say, hey, would you like a filter coffee? It's like almost like a, a cultural icon. It is a, a thing that, what is what is Dunkin' Donuts call us? Like America run, runs on Dunkin' Donuts. So all of South India runs on filter coffee is what I would say. <laughs> It's a brew. It's a drip brew. So they have, there are special stainless steel filters is what they call yeah. uh, that has a kind of uh, um, uh, a colander and a thing to compress it and, and, and put like, you know, make the decoction is what they call it. They, call, they don't call it espresso because it is way more stronger than an espresso. See, and I, I think of espresso as a very, very strong coffee as well. So it's two or three degrees, four degrees stronger than espresso. Correct. I think it's twice as strong wow. as espresso. I think the only thing that probably comes close in terms of the decoction is if you like uh, Turkish coffee. Again, people call Turkish coffee with different names depending on which country they're from. <laughs> Everybody claims it's yeah. theirs, but yeah. a lot of different countries. But Turkish coffee, maybe it has a very different taste, very different flavor. But in terms of just like um, caffeine percentage, I think it probably yeah. comes close. Yeah. Do you do you typically infuse anything in a, uh, any kind of sweetener, any kind of um, a cream or anything? How, how do you oh, yes. normally take it? Uh, oh, with a lot of milk. So it's actually, you know, it's more in, in terms of like the color and, and uh, the final product, it is more closer to a latte, if you were to say it. But, mm. but the, the, mm -hmm. the decoction is the espresso part and it gets added to boiled milk and people add like sugar based on preferences. But yeah, it is, it comes, you know, the final product will, will be in both in volume and color and, um, yeah. but it's more, more delicious than a latte, I have to say. Cool. Cool. And, and, and the, uh, the milk is a definite, it sounds like the sweetener is more to your taste. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's usually 2%. We, 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 you know, at home we dry with like whole milk. It doesn't come out just as, you know, it's too dense. Ah. If you're going to experiment it, there's a great Wikipedia page called Indian Filter Coffee, but it is actually called Madras Filter Coffee. Uh, I don't know why the Wikipedia name is that, but but it has uh, you know lots of in in great information about it. And uh, if you try at home, try it try with two percent milk. No, I I will, and we will uh, actually we'll link up that Wikipedia page as well in the show notes, so that if anybody else wants to try it and kind of get the history and everything, that'd be very very cool. 
so you mentioned espresso. That's what I'm, I actually got just a single shot. I've, I've had a couple of cups of coffee already today. So I ended up with a single shot of espresso in actually decaf. So I went decaf today, which is not your normal espresso, but ah, decided to change it up a little bit. So we'll enjoy uh, the coffees throughout the show here. Well, Venkat, why don't you get things kicked off? Take a moment and just, I gave a little bit of background, talked about you spending time at Facebook prior to Rockset, but go, go a little bit through your background. How you, I'm always interested. How did founders of technology companies even get into technology? And then your current role today as co-founder and CEO at Rockset. How did I got into technology is very simple. Uh, back in like middle school, I think, when, when I was in, I guess, seventh grade, I went on a summer camp. I still remember uh, because my parents didn't know what to do with me. And so like you know, restless child. And so I was I went on a summer camp. They thought it was like some computer stuff. OK, you, you may be interested in it. Turns out it was actually a professional development course for people with like master's degree in, I don't know, like arts and other uh, things to just say, hey, maybe you can get a computer job. And they were teaching basic programming language. No, I mean, uh, me, I was in seventh grade and my, my elder brother was in uh, my older brother was in eighth grade. We were the only two kids in the whole classroom and over the summer and no one understood a thing that they said. And we would, but we too would be programming like, oh my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. So that was really the initiation. What, what, uh, what programming language at that time? It, it was something that I think came out of Microsoft. It really suddenly like, oh, you can program a computer and suddenly like, you know, follows your instructions and can solve problems. That's it. After that, I would say every step of the way, all paths in front of me was more computer science, less computer science. Okay, more. <laughs> just keep yeah. just keep going. Very lucky to uh, get into University of Wisconsin-Madison to do my master's after finishing my bachelor's in NIT Trichy. Learned a lot, worked with amazing people, learned a lot from my peers there in, in both places and great faculty, still in touch with the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So, and then, you know, after that, I mean, ever since I graduated, you know, with my master's degree in Wisconsin-Madison, I would say I've been building databases all my life. The first uh, chapter was uh, early 2000s, building it in Oracle. Uh, this was, that, that is what, you know, where all the systems builders go to. Give me, your, give, me the or, give me the Oracle version you started out on. I'm sure you still remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, still very close friends with almost, you know, everybody that was in the team. So this is early 2000, you know, Google was kind of low, you know, in getting interesting, but this was before Facebook and other, like the whole web 2.0 kind of uh, companies coming out. Was this, this was Oracle 8i, Oracle 9i, which, which, uh, which very, very good. This was Oracle 9 and Oracle 10. Okay. 9i, uh, 10g. Nice. Yes. So 10g, you know, we were working on a lot of manageability and making Oracle simpler to manage and more yeah. performant, uh, you know, tuning, uh, advisory and that kind of stuff. So the whole server manageability team is what I was part of. That became the flagship tagline for Oracle 10G. It was called the self-managing database, and it was all the the, the new tech that we had built uh, once nine was released. And between nine and ten is when I was there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So you, which which years? Two thousand two until two thousand seven. Okay, we we crossed over. I was at Oracle from oh uh, three to two thousand thirteen. Ten years. Yeah, during the time, yeah, I'm sure you obviously Thomas Curian running uh, Google Cloud uh, today as CEO, and he had he was in middleware at the time. And yep. when I left, I guess he was running pretty much everything from apps to tech. And uh, yeah, just some some great folks on both the the database and the middleware side over at Oracle at that time. Who's who's? I'm just curious who whose team were you on? Who who was the? 
So I was in several technologies. Uh, my manager was Lang Tan. Um, okay. So and, Andy uh, Mendelssohn all the way up to Andy at the Richard time? Richard Sarwal, actually. This was actually a, ah. a skunkworks thing that Richard was uh, starting for managing, making the database more manageable. Yeah. And it became, uh, really became, turned out to be the flagship for the whole release, which was uh, great to see. Lang, you know, is one of the best managers I've ever had. I, I'm still yeah. friends with her. I, you know, talk to her about advice and all that. And so she's amazing. Richard is great. Yeah. So yeah, just work with amazing cool. people. I'll give you one more t uh, nugget about that. This is early 2000. The greater team in the server technologies that were working on the database, co-founder and CTO, I guess, uh, Benoit, Benoit Dajewal of Snowflake was there. Great, you know, the CEO you know, of Nutanix was there. Deeraj was part of that greater team. Um, and Bipul um, Sinha, who started Rubrik. I don't know if you know the database backup company. So. So there is just like, there were just unbelievably amazing people, I, you know, I was surrounded with, and there's so many uh, people have gone on to do amazing things. So it's, it's really wonderful to look back and feel very privileged to have worked with like, just amazing people. And did you just, you went down 101, a little bit further south to Facebook from Oracle? Yes. So 2007, okay. uh, what happened was, uh, I mean, things were getting comfortable. I got uncomfortable. So I thought like I wanted to challenge myself and, and Facebook, you know, met a bunch of people there. And then I was just thoroughly impressed with some of the problems that they were already solving. And this was just like three years into the inception of the company. At that point, Facebook was doubling their user base, I think like, I don't know, every four to six months. And, and so suddenly it was like, wait, how do you actually scale something <laughs> when, when you're kind of like scaling that fast? And so the real challenge and um, is what attracted me. And I wanted to go there and to learn things that I didn't think that my previous job would, would allow mm. me to learn. And that's really what led me to, to go to Facebook back in 2007. Yeah. We, did your, uh, did your, on your LinkedIn profile, it changed to meta yet? We've got to start. Meta. <laughs> that's a very, uh, that's, that's a good yeah. one. I think there are, they are changing, you know, if it's linked to the company page, I think they're changing all these names, but I, you know, it will always <laughs> right. be Facebook for me because, you know, I left in 2015 managing all online data um, yeah. infrastructure at Facebook, help scale it to, you know, from 30, 40 a million monthly actives to a billion and a half. By the time I yeah. left, these systems were serving 5 billion queries a second. Uh, yeah, so I think I think now it's maybe quadrupled or or more than qua, uh, you know quadrupled since then, but it's still largely the same architecture that we built to help scale. Facebook is still you know chugging along nicely. Yeah, well, you've got uh, you had this dream team of uh, ex database experts and technology experts at Oracle, and I don't think there's too many people that could say they're part of a five billion. Did you say five billion per second? Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah. At uh, at Facebook, so this all led you to found Rockset. Take me through that decision making process. How did it? You know, where did it start? How how did you get this concept? And and when did it become reality? What inspired you to to get moving with Rockset? It was uh, it took it took about a year. So I was there for eight years at Facebook, but during those eight years, I you know absolutely learned a ton and and really had a very good idea on what problems are worth solving within the boundaries of Facebook. And, and how to solve them. But during those eight years, just amazing things happened. You know, AWS happened, Docker happened, Kubernetes happened. Like, so, you know, the world was changing dramatically and I had no clue about any of that. <laughs> As in, I understand what they are from a, you know, from a conceptual standpoint, but how is it really changing how businesses are solving problem, uh, problems, especially around the data space, you know? And so, so I spent a year about talking to a lot of different people outside the kind of the fan universe and uh, really would go to like 
you know, talk to somebody at Kaiser, would talk to somebody at Visa, um, you know, security companies. Uh, they are all security experts. They they're not like data people, if you if you if you know what I mean. So so really talked to a lot of different companies and I really wanted to understand kind of like how the world works. And was a not a looking back now, it feels like oh, you were just doing customer discovery or pain discovery. No, there was no discovery. I was just like really, you know, <laughs> I had nothing to sell. I had no company, no product, nothing like that. And they were very gracious with their time and, and kind of like just mm. hey i just want to get to know you and and ju- just talk about uh, here are the challenges that we're facing here is how our data works and yeah. whatnot so that really was a genesis as i was walking away from more and more of those conversation it was very clear that we are already seeing this whole movement from batch to real time within the walls of facebook right i mean data always wants to move towards speed like moth to a fire, you know, it's like it always, or moth to light, you know, it's like, it's always like that. And uh, the media always gets only faster and not slower. Analytics always wants speed. Give me what's happening now and don't don't take 20 minutes to answer my question. You know, in this whole like Alexa Siri world, you know, I wanna know like what the answer is, like right now, don't make me wait. Yeah. So this was, you know, we were all very impatient within Facebook. And so there was a lot of different innovations that happened. It was very, you know, ad hoc and not like a general purpose system for all, for the most part, what you would call real-time analytics, but it was built, let's say, special purpose for like the news feed backend or the uh, ads backend or, or, or things like, or, or, or uh, spam fighting backend, that kind of stuff. And so, so we had seen that uh, evolution within Facebook, but it was really uh, startling to see the cost and complexity that people were, de- you know, having to trudge through to get real-time analytics, and mm-hmm. that was really the genesis when I started walking away from more and more of these conversations, thinking, "Boy, we can really do something because, you know, with the with the knowledge and the context and the connections we have, we can absolutely, you know, eliminate all of this. There is really no reason why, no. you know, this ca- is is not possible. And clearly, more and more people are embarking on this journey from going from batch analytics, which is slow analytics on stale data to real-time analytics, which is fast analytics on fresh data. So I, I have to ask you, when whenever a client brings up to me, hey, I want to go real-time, I very first question I'm about, define real-time, because what I've found is that there is a wide gap between one person's definition of real-time and another person's def, def, definition of real-time. Yes. Define for us how you define at Rockset, Vincat, real time and does that vary client to client or is there a single definition of real time within the context of Rockset? i would say it, it does vary based on use cases based on customers uh, based on their real business need so at a high level why are you, you have to, to answer this question you have to really think about why are companies going from batch to real time what's the what's the real you know need if you think about that if you can make only decisions once a week or once a day based on some analyst reports that are generating from nightly jobs and whatnot, you know, maybe you can make a few decisions uh, a week, a month. But if we can have actually interactive analytics uh, and, and the data is fresh, now all of a sudden you can actually operate. You can actually run your business based on data, not based on hypothesis that you got from the last report that you actually analyzed, you know, maybe a month ago. So given that trend, right, we, in some use cases, like we have customers wanting to do risk operations, right? Like they are trying, you know, there is a, you know, buy now, pay later company doing millions of payment transactions and, and uh, that they're going through that for them, 
they have what 300,000 merchants, 90 million users. They want to manage risk for all of their merchants and run all sorts of uh, risk modeling in real time. And for them, they need a real time metrics that is accurate up to the second. And they wanted to run risk modeling every minute. And they had a batch based system where they'll accumulate all this data and run all of their modeling like every three hours, every six hours. And the job that they'll kick off every three hours would take more than three hours to run. <laughs> so it's like yeah. it's, it's it, their volume is going up and it's just not keeping up. And so, you know, with Rockset, now they are able to not only get metrics that are accurate up to the second, they can now run modeling every minute on, on top of those metrics. But more than that, the model actually takes 100 milliseconds to run <laughs> because it's it's real time analytics. I think, as I, as I said earlier, it's not just about data freshness. It's also about fast query performance. Because if mm -hmm. your data is fresh, but every question you ask takes 10 minutes to, to get to the answer, well, you don't really need fresh data at that point. And you know, if, even if it gets kind of batched every 10 minutes, it's okay. So to me, to us, I think real time is synonymous to now. What's happening right now? Not the old stuff. And for every business, what's happening right now could be this minute. For a lot of the people, it's like this second. <laughs> and, and so that is kind of how I think about it. You know, if your business is not that fast moving and you make a sale once a month, it's a probably a very, very different thing and you probably don't need real time. But most operation business operations teams now are really demanding, you know, I want to operate with data and not just hypothesize with data. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's interesting as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about how we at HashMap use data internally. We're, we're a HubSpot customer, for instance, and I always think of HubSpot if I look at behind the behind the scenes and I really don't care how HubSpot is doing it I if I if I consider that there is an operational data store sitting behind HubSpot that's offering up contacts companies deals all the other information in there I think of that as real time live information there there is nothing I have to do to I, I don't question it if if the data goes in properly it's going to be fast accurate like you said kind of in the now but I think what we've been chasing is how do you do that when you go beyond just a single operational system and I've got multiple data sources that are combining up on an overall analytics perspective. And I'd be really interested to hear from you because you've got, you know, your background with Oracle, you've got your Oracle or SQL Server, DB2 transactional databases, you've got cloud data platforms that we typically think of as maybe historical analytics for the most part, Redshift, you know, Snowflake, Azure Synapse, BigQuery, those, those types. And then you've got Rockset coming into the mix, but at the same time, maybe you've got KSQL with Kafka or so. Talk to me about how Rockset fits in. And, and for me as a customer with real-time needs, where would I use this? And, and in the context of my overall tapestry of a, of a modern data stack. You're absolutely right. We think of data living in four different kind of you know, buckets. Uh, systems of record, like your OLTP databases, uh, like you pointed out, MySQL, Postgres, Mongo, DynamoDB, Oracle, SQL Server, what have you. Then the second one are all these data streaming systems, these data streams from Kafka, Kinesis, Google PubSub, and what have you, right? That's the second bucket. The third bucket are all these lakes and warehouses, where you usually, it's like usually a very giant parking lot for almost all of your data and doing maybe periodic batch processing. And then, and then the fourth part is all of your apps. You, you mentioned HubSpot, Salesforce, 
you know, Google Analytics for behavioral data to what have you. So how does Rockset fit in? So Rockset is a real-time database built for the cloud. So what we want to enable is that you should be able to do real-time analytics on any of these data sources without any cost and complexity. And how do we achieve that? Rockset comes in with built-in connectors to all these places. And all these connectors are real-time. So, so take, for example, you have a system of record in, let's say, MongoDB, Mongo Atlas, right? That's what you're using to kind of like manage your transactional data. And then you have some behavioral data about clickstream logs and whatnot coming in Kafka or Confluent Cloud. And you also have some historical data, maybe, you know, the output of some ML models that you've run, you know, you, you have that historical data in, uh, let's say, a data lake, maybe S3 or maybe a data warehouse. Using the built-in connectors, you can now bring in data from any of these. The MongoDB collections can be connected to Rockset. Your Kafka topics can be connected to Rockset. And what Rockset would do is, in real time, replicate just the data sets that you, you care about you know, within one to two second data lags from all these sources and turn them into fully typed, fully indexed SQL tables in the cloud. So your Kafka topic will become one SQL table, your Mongo collection will become another SQL table, and your you know, a bunch of Parquet files you may have on S3 will become another SQL table. Now you have three SQL tables, it's, and you didn't have to write a single line of ETL code or ELT code or what have you to bring in that data in real time. You can continue to change your system of record. Like in this example, your MongoDB can get updates and deletes and new records inserted. Within one to two seconds, that data will also be replicated to Rockset. And as the data comes in, Rockset doesn't just store them in some columnar format like, like a warehouse. We actually index the data in real time. The same indexing strategy that Google uses for their search engine and Facebook uses for their newsfeed, it's a very, very similar real-time indexing architecture. And it takes one to two seconds. That's it. Any new data or modifications to existing data comes through the, the, you know, those, those indexing, uh, you know, sca scalable indexing um, uh, machinery. And now your tables are now up to date in real time and they're fully indexed. So now we also have a full feature distributed SQL engine on the other side for you to do query processing. So now you have three tables. You can combine and ask questions like, okay, show me, you know, this customer is, is here. I want to send them a personalized recommendation. They have these five things in their cart. So now your historical S3 Parquet data could tell you, these are the 20 products that we should recommend for anybody that is interested in these five products. Now you can actually say, based on the behavioral data, which is like, these are the thing, products they actually looked at in their browsing session. These are the things they're searching for. You can boost certain, out of the you know 50 recommendations, 20 recommendations you have, these are the 10 that is probably most relevant for them right now. And then you can look at the transactional data and say, well, they, they have already bought these three and we know people buy like one washing machine, you know, like people don't buy like, you know, a washing machine mm -hmm. a month. So you can also remove stuff or, or boost stuff based on their past order history that is coming from a system of record. And you can do all of that, I don't know, in 100 milliseconds. You can do that all of that mm -hmm. in, in real time and you can serve that query and so, you know, build that personalized recommendation engine instantly. You know, simply using SQL, you know, if you can join these three tables in some massively scalable distributed SQL engine that we have, you know, built in C++ and, and massively performant. So that is really uh, what our vision is. So we augment 
your systems of record we augment your existing install you know investments in big data you know data lakes and warehouses but what we really really saying is do anything anytime you need real time analytics which is fast analytics on fresh data where you can't really wait around and and drive the car by the rear view mirror you know you are actually looking to build a dash on what's happening to your business right now you should be looking up uh, you know looking at us that is really how we fit into the stack Uh, we are neither a transactional database you know we're not trying to replace and be the system of record and we're not trying to be your warehouse where you park a lot you know petabytes of data and analysts are building reports on that those systems already exist and they should continue to exist but when you need real time analytics where data freshness matters and fast analytics matters that's where we that's where we play and even in this example if you could you know if you could see the the real timeliness of the three sources are kind of slightly different uh, for a system of record it's 1 to 2 seconds and for the data streams it's again 1 to 2 seconds of large volumes of data coming in but these ml models are probably not running you know every minute or every hour that is dumping new kind of findings into your s3 buckets so that is okay but because the because the, most of the analytics is joining all of these things together anyway Uh, even if one of your data sources one of your tables have to be fresh uh, you still need to be able to get all the other dimensional data you know may not be that important to be real time but you still need to be able to synchronize that and 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 replicate that from wherever they are to rockset and we we have connectors for those too very interesting now that is a fantastic explanation i love how you compare and contrasted versus other database platforms that are out there so data freshness fast analytics and what i'm hearing you say very very clearly is look at the outcome look at what you are trying to deliver around a use case and that's where you would really inject rockset into your overall architecture when you need data freshness fast analytics are both really important to you for that use case absolutely if you you know if you're uh, you know listeners listen and you know, read the economist uh, you know this was the week before last week's edition the cover story was about the real time revolution uh, what they're talking about is that during the covid you know lots of governments and policy makers and 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 finance was in a lot of uncertainty and and they didn't know what policies will work what policies will not work and how to run anything and nobody could predict where the market was going to go everybody thought it was going to crash but it ends up being having a blockbuster year <laughs> so everything has been crazy um and so what they basically you know economists are saying is real time data and real time analytics and just in time policy making based on what is actually working allowed them to make very precise decisions mm. and not have to speculate and then wait around and see how it works and then oh it actually doesn't work it had the opposite effect and then go on in another uh you know long winded process of like hypothesizing and testing no just just do everything in real time and that really almost saved governments saved you know companies and, and so the whole uh, takeaway from the article is the future of democracy finance policy making uh is is all going to be based on real time you know data and this is also what is happening in every enterprise that wants to modernize their data stack they understand the power of that and how quickly they can iterate how fast they can make decisions and how quickly they can move into new markets and and really be very very nimble and agile and so it's almost like go real time or die it's like that's really what's going to happen where if you can't evolve uh, you're going to sink like a stone and so this is really what's happening in the market that we see and again i would say rockset is necessary but not sufficient 
right? Like there are so much, the, and the rest of the ecosystem also has to evolve. And I would say the biggest indicator of that or the precursor of, of, of Rockset has been the rise of Confluent and, and Apache Kafka. Now businesses are acquiring that data in real time from all sorts of sources. And so with Rockset, now you can put that into, you know, turn that into analytics and insights in real time. But I think I would say definitely, if you want to look at some of the other trends in the ecosystem, look look at Confluent and going IPO and growing a lot. And it's kind of like a very important, almost like a premonition for something like Rockset's, uh, you know, you know, need for the for for the for the day. Oh, in- interesting. I I love how you talked about that that you know the ecosystem is in, uh, evolving as well. That's a necessary part. Rockset can't do it on its own. Let me ask you this. So here I am, I'm a client, I've got, you know, some database skills, I'm doing some things in the cloud today with some of the, you know, data platforms that we've already talked about. And I want to pick up Rockset. How quickly can I, how quickly can I ramp up and and start doing meaningful, start addressing meaningful use cases with Rockset? What's it going to take my data engineering team or uh, software engineering team to, to really get productive? One of our customers, uh, I'll, I'll quote one of our customers uh, instead of me kind of like claiming all of this and sounds like <laughs> marketing mumbo jumbo. One of our customers, when we did our Series B, our investors did a blind reference, which means that the customer didn't know that it was the investor uh, and that has any affiliation with Rockset. They did a blind reference and we got the quote back on what they had said. And they said something like this, which is Rockset took my six month roadmap and shrunk it to a single afternoon. <laughs> wow. So so here is what their use case is, and it's logistics. It's real-time supply chain for heavy construction. And they had already built an amazing cloud-native platform for managing job tickets for every concrete truck driving around that is being tracked in real-time. So all the ticketing system is completely moved digital. And so every time a turnstile, a, a truck is driving around and scanning, it's already being tracked in Amazon DynamoDB, and they have built an amazing stack, just a world-class team, Command Alcon. And, but then they needed real-time analytics on it. They needed reporting because their big customers are doing heavy, huge construction. Uh, think like a massive, I don't know, bridge like you know that you're building or like a 100-story building that you're building or whatever. And so... They need real-time analytics because if you don't manage your supply chain for for big construction, your project will be (laughs) completely, you know, Mm -hmm. it it will take like 10 times longer. And so they understand the importance of real-time reporting, real-time search, real-time analytics. And and with the, we have built-in connectors, as I was was telling you, the reason that they said that was they thought they had to now force go and build this Rube Goldberg machine of sorts, plumbing oh, my data is in Dynamo, I have to kind of like build some plumbing that is kind of like, you know, I have to, you know, with a lot of upkeep and cost to replicate the data to some other system. Now that system, I have to tune it. I have to teach it how to index the data, how to get all of this data in massive volume coming in real time. And then on top of that, okay, now that's, that's still only halfway through because now on top of that, now I have to be able to do really complex joins and aggregations and window functions and all of this. Now, there is no system that would actually be able to keep up with all of this. So they kind of thought like, okay, you know, we're a small team and we have to kind of do all this work. And in six months, maybe I might have a solution. They came to Rockset. They pointed Rockset at DynamoDB. With a couple of hours, all of the data had been already, you know, ingested and turned it indexed and turned it into a full full feature SQL table. 
and then they could start using SQL and and all of a sudden it's like wait uh, they were able to build their first prototype over a weekend and uh, they they went live within a month they went to production within the within the end of the month and they were like way ahead of schedule because they really thought it was kind of like going to be like a very very difficult thing to do and they're an amazing they're a trailblazer they're an amazing innovative uh, logistics company mm-hmm. uh, we're huge fans of their work and that's just an example how quickly can you get started yeah. um i'll say fast analytics and fresh data i talked about that i think the third thing i'll say is if you if you the question to ask really is like if real time is so much better than batch why haven't the world already gone real time i think the complexity is too high is the answer because it's actually a very very hard problem and so if you were to solve it on prem if you were to solve it in any kind of traditional download install configure software uh, you know that kind of uh, setup it is you know you you don't really think real time analytics first you think how many data engineers and how many developers do i need to hire to stand up that team and before and then ask them how quickly can you build this so you don't even think in terms of how many compute you know how many machines do i need how much compute or storage i need you think how many how many uh, you know head what is my headcount going to be for for this uh, for this effort mm-hmm. so rocksteady eliminates all of that so it's not just about fast analytics and fresh data it's also about simplicity and scalability in the cloud with zero operational overhead because we take care of we take care of the data extraction and, and real time uh, ingestion we take care of indexing so your queries are fast out of the box uh, and on top of that we take care of serverless scaling for you so it's very very easy to operate without capacity planning and all the other overheads you you traditionally think about uh, when when you want to build a real time analytics solution very very interesting hey vikat you mentioned your uh, your b round uh, i think that was with sequoia you guys have raised 61.5 in total, any thoughts on where you see things going? I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of cash flowing into the data space right now. And if you want to comment on that, or just in general, because I'm always interested too on the business side, customers, types of customers, you know, where you guys are growing, uh, going growth wise from an employee perspective, those kind of things. Would love to get your thoughts, kind of on the business side of things. Sure. Yes, I'm very happy to have Greylock and Sequoia as our key investors. Uh, usually you would see an investor leading a round and then maybe a, leading a second round and then participating just pro you know just to keep their pro rata very lucky to say both sequoia and graylock have tripled down on rockset three times in a row mm-hmm. uh, they've led and 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 been been with us since the very beginning so we love working with both both those firms and we you know we, you know we'll continue this partnership for years to come we're you know we're growing we're growing really really fast we have doubled our entire companies in in just the last 6 months and we are hiring as fast as we can all over the us we have you know people from we're predominantly based in the bay areas in san mateo uh, so about like half the company works out of the san mateo but we have people in seattle dallas boston we have people we have a small uh, engineering pod in london because we have one of the uh, founding engineers working out of there and we're trying to build a team there So yeah, we're growing really fast. Yeah. yeah. Those other those other locations, most of those are engineers as well. It's a mix, I think. Uh we have mix, we yeah. have yeah, we have uh we have engineers definitely, uh but we also have sales team obviously is distributed. Mm-hmm. We also have product managers that are uh, distributed and so COVID has actually really taught us how to run remote teams very effectively. And so we do this thing where one week a quarter the entire go to market team flies in and and we have a go to market week. and then another week a quarter all the 
product and engineering teams fly in and we have like a hack week for a week and it's been wonder- wonderful. It's been working really, really well. And so we know how to execute well when you know we are remote and, and the hack weeks and those kinds of like once a quarter events allow us to ideate very well, brainstorm and, and help the team bond and, and, and you know, uh, work together. And so we, yeah, I think uh, we're growing very quickly. And so, yeah, uh, what to expect? I mean, I think as the world uh, goes from batch to real time, we really want to be part of this movement and accelerate this movement. One thing I'll say is like, the world is going to go real time with or without Rockset. This is happening. This is not like, you know, we, we didn't start it and we're not, we're not here to like end it or something. But I guarantee you with Rockset, the future will be here five to 10 years early. That's, that's our mission. Yeah, no, that's awesome. What uh, you you talked about earlier when um, some of the investors were doing those those blind interviews, six months to a single afternoon, really awesome to hear. But was there something was there something that happened before that uh, that moment where you said, okay, this is this is going to work. We are onto something big here. That maybe it was with a client, maybe it was with an investor partner, something like that. Uh, was there anything that stands out there, Vincap? I think uh, all the high highest of highs have always been when we hear back from our customer and it's in some ways unsolicited so we even have this folder that we collect and you know collectively is what we call product love letters so the product was a vision was something in a whiteboard and you know we're building we're building and then slowly starting to work and then we we build self-service so that anybody could come and create an account and, and get started and then we get these unsolicited kind of like product love letters uh where I just saw that you came out of stealth. I've been grappling with this problem. It was so complex and it was so messy and it just worked. Who are you all? <laughs> what, where did you all come from? You know, another email would go like, I've been searching for you all my life kind of emails, you know? So that is when, and, and I think this, these are not people that they're not from our network. They're not like our friends. They're not doing anybody mm-hmm. a favor. And that is really, you know, the, 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 some of the earliest, such as, some of those emails came from like, right after we came out of stealth and and we had a we rolled out our self service offering in in i think april or may of 2019 and so i would say that is when i, I we really thought okay definitely this is useful i used to say this a lot i mean i still say this which is like we are here to build something useful and put it in the hands of as many people as possible and so the product love letters really kept us going during those early years when there was a lot of uncertainty around product and market and how quickly it's going to grow and emerge and product market fit and all of that. But it, you know, after we got a few of those, uh, there was no turning back. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And you mentioned too, the growth that you guys are having, you're hiring sounds like all over the place. Do you personally have a go-to interview question that you like to use? That's a, that's a rock solid one to get a good idea on somebody. <laughs> rock solid. Nice. Yeah. I always try to find what, my, my interview style is almost trying to find the person's superpower. I always believe everybody mm. has their superpowers. And it's not really about whether someone is good or, or, or not good. It's really trying to find out what gets you going. What are your superpowers? And what is your superpower? What, you know, what is the definition of a superpower? It is something that the rest of the world will consider painful that is somehow fun for you right <laughs> walking through walls is painful for me but not for superman so it's like hey look at this or, or hulk or what have you so similar to that a lot of my questioning uh during the interview process is really trying to find out what is your superpower and can we is it a good mutual match 
is this yeah. is Rockset the right fit for you as much as is are you the right fit for Rockset? And so the 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 questions, the go-to questions are all like something like, you know, tell me about a highlight in your life where you were really really proud of something. And then you'd be really surprised that you'd think like, you know, I'm talking to this technical architect and they talk about, oh, look at this thing that I built and it just worked great. Oftentimes, the technical architect would say something like, I remember this, you know, new grad that showed up in my team and now this person is the CTO and I had a something like it would be like most on the on the on the people development side and you'd be like wait you're a technical architect and you, like you're you're talking about that and their superpower is actually they are a technical architect and you know it's really because they really cherish helping people around them yeah. right and 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 helping them develop and helping them grow so almost like uh try to understand what were the highlights of their you know of their life and why were those highlights picked and and really try to understand their superpower uh that is all typically what yeah. my question is well, when you brought that up, you probably knew what was going to come. I, I got to ask, what's your superpower? <laughs> my, my, I would say, I would say, what is my superpower? Somehow convincing people that are hundred times smarter than me to come and work uh, and and be part of this adventure. I would say, from the right from the founding team to like the last person we just hired last week. Yeah, I think we're assembling just an unbelievably world class team across product, sales, marketing, engineering. And all of these people are so much smarter than me, so much better than me. And somehow they still all want to work with me. I think as long as I have that going, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. I, I mean, there, you're right. There are so many options out there for, you know, whether it be on the engineering side, the go to market side, operations side that, uh, that's, I would agree. I think that's a great superpower. I can tell you what I don't have a superpower in, and that's email management. In fact, I'm using something <laughs> called superhuman right now to try to get better at that turn email management into a superpower. Hey, Vidcat, let me ask anything over the next 12 months that, that you're looking to improve upon. It could be personally, it could be with Rockset, anything that stands out there that you go, I, I'm here today, a year from now, I'd like to be here. The biggest thing that is really energizing us and, and motivating us is the golden standard of real-time analytics hasn't been set. Like these are the boxes you need to check if you're gonna be calling yourself a real-time analytics solution. This is still, in the making. We are innovating just as much as taking what already works uh, to the market and, and scaling that. We're, we're innovating, we're pushing the envelope on how efficient, how scalable, how easy to use can real-time analytics really be and pushing the envelope on that. And there's a ton of innovation, ton of development and uh, R&D that we're doing around that. And so that is really what's you should expect. Like we have had like just a an amazing set of things we have launched in the last three to four months. If you're following our uh, LinkedIn page or Twitter handle, Rockset Cloud, you know, follow us there and you'd see a lot of that stuff that we're doing. But I think it's only going to accelerate because our team is growing and I think, you know, we're, we're really onto something. And yeah, the innovation that is going to come to really define what, who can call themselves real-time, you know, you know real-time data cloud or real-time analytics in the cloud that I think is, you know, being able to kind of define that is, is really what uh, I think the next year is going to be all about for us. Interesting. Okay. Hey, uh, I know we're getting close here. Is there anything that we haven't mentioned? I know we talked about linking up a few things. Anything that you'd like the HashMap on Tap audience to know that we haven't talked about or give visibility to that may be coming up in the Rockset world or uh, personally that you're working on? 
I think we write, uh, you know, we don't talk about our, probably our blog. We, we do prolific blogging and, uh, you know, really good content writers on how to solve different problems that how you know, customer stories and engineers do blog posts about like some of the very deep technical challenges that, that we have solved. And so go to rockset.com slash blog, uh, or, or just go to rockset.com and you'll be able to find and, and, and go to the blog and subscribe to it or something like that. I think you really enjoy that. There's no bad content there, and we we really like to kind of talk openly about a lot of hard problems that we're solving, and and how our customers are are leveraging Rockset. And so, if any of that is interesting, uh, you should definitely go and subscribe. Wow, that sounds great. I will definitely do it, and and we'll link it up in the show notes as well. Love it. Hey, uh, last thing before we wrap up, you interested in a lightning round? Sure. These are these are easy ones. These are easy ones. Okay. Cool. Five questions. First one: Technology you cannot live without in your role at Rockset. RocksDB. Got it. Wait, 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 wait. Cannot be. Give me something. Okay. Give me something that is more like uh, personal productivity. Oh, take. Yeah, I'm going to take it out. Yeah, I'm going to take it into a, a little bit different. Okay, what was it? Slack? Yeah. Okay, got it, got it. I should have asked that question a little bit differently. All right. Do you have a go-to cook? You said you're in, I think you are you, do you live in San Mateo or, or you're different? I live uh, in Palo Alto. Town? Oh, in Palo Alto. Okay. Yeah. So you have a go-to cook-at-home meal or a takeout delivery meal that you enjoy in the Palo Alto area? A Napolitan uh, pizza. Uh, we have a, a pizza oven. We we like to pay, make pizza from scratch. Our, my my two boys love it. Our family loves it. So we, we bake a lot. Ah, uh, I love it. What, what's the, give me your take on the ideal pizza oven temperature or oven temperature for cooking a pizza. Uh, 850 to 900 degrees, oh, depending on the style. Gosh. So you, you need to get a uni. So go get a uni and you will not regret that purchase oh, if you want to make it. I love it. We're, we're doing a homemade pizza this weekend. So I don't know that I'm going to go get an uni. I, I usually do mine on a Kamado Joe, but uh, I am a huge fan of homemade pizza. I, I love that one. Hey, do you have, you and your family have a favorite spot in the, in the Bay Area in general that you enjoy? Maybe a leisure spot or somewhere that you go? Absolutely. We hike a lot. So but Palo Alto Hills area is amazing. Uh, it's like a well-kept secret. It's pretty close, so we can actually go there. And like 15 minutes from our home, suddenly we're like in the wilderness, you know, like it's just amazing. Uh, Bay Area has just done an amazing job in with these open preserves right by Skyline Boulevard. They, they always look for donations and other things. So anything we can do to like preserve that for as long as possible, I think would be wonderful. Oh, love it. What about, uh, do you have, if you're going to, Set your mobile phone down, you know, unplug the laptop for a little while. Do you have a, kind of a go-to thing that you do for unplugging from tech for a little while? Gardening. Oh, what is this? Yeah. Uh, floral? Uh, uh, vegetable? What? Yeah. Vegetable. Vegetable garden on our backyard. I, you know, it's a, it's a thing. It's my therapy. I have to get my hands, you know, in, in, in the, in the dirt. Uh, we yeah. grow all sorts of stuff and uh, I absolutely love it. What what anything in season right now? Vegetables for this fall season that uh, that are that are starting to to produce. Yeah, I think uh, winter is always the 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 part the time when we fix all the gear <laughs> to get ready for a bigger season next year. So yeah, probably right now we're in the in the process of kind of rebuilding our yeah our planter boxes and things like that. Uh, so yeah. strawberries are growing, doing really Ooh. well even through the winter. So we're get, trying cabbage and. Like the whole, uh, you know, kale, broccoli, uh, Brussels sprouts kind of stuff. For that's those are the only ones that grow through the winter. But the aphids 
like them too much. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so there is a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I don't like killing the aphids. We almost like want to have a sacrifice plant as opposed to yeah. trying to have, use any, any chemicals. But yeah, during the, during the summer, it's yeah. just a bounty, uh, you know, every week yeah. from eggplant to corn, to tomatoes, to peppers, yeah. to, to lots of fruits, blueberries. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, all sorts of peppers. Are, yeah. are your planter boxes, are, are they at ground level? Do you have them elevated? What's the preference? Everything, a little bit of this, oh, everything. a little bit of that. I think yeah. uh, it, it's just like, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of backyard space, so we kind of improvise. And so we have some on the ground level because there is this one corner where we can do that. And there's some at the elevated level. Herb gardens are all elevated. So really, you know, a little bit of, you know, whichever corner, oh, there's some sun here. It's like, oh, let's do something. So we, we keep kind of like every year it grows and every year we think like, oh, we can't put anything more. And then there's always one more thing somehow, you know, come, finds, a, finds a corner. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Last question. Is there another company outside of Rockset that you're watching closely right now? Ooh, very interesting question. Uh, outside of Rockset, uh, am I watching closely? I would definitely say the reverse ETL companies. Mm. We recently announced this, uh, which is why it's top of mind. So it's a rapid fire. So I can't take too much. Uh, so it really, I think it's very interesting. So you're ta you're talking about companies like uh, Census, High Touch, Correct. those types of companies. Okay. We cool. we just announced integration with uh, all of those companies. So if you really so if you think about real time analytics and everything that we are thinking talking about, it's not just enough that all the data is coming in and all the metrics are all real time, but the real impact. There is still a last mile issue. Put this in the hands of your salespeople about you know like to make sure that they're not churning the important customers and these yeah. usage analytics and all of that is coming from all over the place. So Roxy can help you turn those, uh, you know, turn those into real-time metrics for what, you know, across whatever dimensions you care about. But the last mile, I think it really put, you know, brings it to life and brings it to kind of impact. And so we're really uh, pleased to, you know, partner with those companies. And so Census, High Touch, uh, there's another company, Omnata, that, Yep. Really, uh, out of Australia, impact. I think. Yeah, out of Australia, yeah. and and huge fans of all of their work. And it's it's about time that you know data actually goes to the operations people as opposed to yeah. just CXXs in an executives doing you know strategy decision. It's like it needs to be operationalized, yeah. and and that is a very important component uh, in that stack. Agree. No, very cool. Vidcat, a lot of fun today. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Kelly. Thanks for hosting and uh, great questions, great conversation. And uh, definitely try Madras filter coffee the next chance you get. I, I absolutely. I'm going to research that a little bit and get into it. And uh, yeah, just a lot of fun today. Thanks for, for joining. I will definitely keep up with everything. And for those listening in, data freshness, fast analytics, you got to call Rockset. And thanks to everyone for listening today. We really appreciate everybody. Encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and visit us at hashpapinc.com. Send us any feedback or comments. We'd love to hear from you. And we will see you soon on another episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to HashMap on Tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap on Tap page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.